listener production. A pinch and a punch for the first of the month. How old are you, like 10? It's Matt and Alex, all day breakfast. Matt O'Kine, what age did you move out of home? I was 21, which was too late. 20. <laughs> 20. I mean, I felt I felt like it was too late at the time, but apparently now, you know, that's probably, that feels like it's baby sort of era. Mate, that's almost bambocioni levels. What? Oh, is that, is that baby? In Italy, that term was coined in about 2007 by a politician who was talking about people who live at home with their parents, you know, quite late into life. Because Italy is quite, you know, renowned for people staying with their parents for a long time, well into their 30s. In fact, set almost 70% of people in Italy aged between 18 and 34, 70% of 18 to 34-year-olds live with their parents still. 70%? So if you ran into someone of Italy, 10 people in Italy who were up to the age of 34, 7 out of 10 of them would still <laughs> live with their parents. But it's oh, gone to a whole man. new level recently this week when a, a mother, a 75-year-old woman, took her adult children to court... To boot them out of her house. Oh, like she's she's having to evict her tenants. Her two sons, a court has evicted this lady's two sons who are 40 and 42, <laughs> still living at home. She got fed up, not just because I live at home, but they weren't paying rent and they weren't doing any chores. <laughs> she was sick of it. So he went to court and the court, the judge was sympathetic to her plight and they got booted out onto the cobblestone streets of Pavia. You know she dragged them into court by their ears. You know that that, that almost certainly happened. Cursing them in, in Italian. I have no doubt that, that was happening, but when you're getting to 75, you're like, guys, I need a couple, I need a few years. Give me a decade. A decade or two without you. Please. Oh dear. Well, look, we are still your little live-in kids right now, um, mm. doing our podcast every single day. And today is no different. Um, we're going to be kicking the feet up on the couch, flicking the TV onto whatever we want, and chatting about a whole bunch of things. There's, there's some tea coming out of the uh, American comedy scene, Alex Dyson, which I wouldn't mind diving into. A little bit of a discussions about that. And then there's something that's sweeping the world by storm, which uh, we've touched on before, and I want to take a little bit of a closer look at it today. Let's do it. It's all day breakfast with Matt and Alex. This is just the start. Everyone ready? Let's get this show on the road. Let's go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Matt and Alex, all day breakfast. Bro, have you seen this uh, situation unfolding with comedian Hassan Minaj? No. What is happening with Hassan? Well, Hassan is a... Um, a uh, Muslim comedian from America. He's like very, very talented. And Not related to um, Nikki. Nikki. I don't believe so. I, d- I doubt it. Um, but it could very well be, you know, the next um, Daily Show host. There's okay. sort of whispers that he might be sort of up there. He's what about a writer Ronnie? on the. He's a writer on the on the um, on the Daily Show. What about our boy Ronnie Cheng? I know, I know, Ronnie. God, killing it. Just going from strength to strength. We'll talk about that. In a Too sec. busy but, with um, movies. But uh, Hassan's got the. Um, couple of Netflix specials, The King's Jester and Homecoming King, but he's kind of been in the news recently because the New Yorker have gone on the attack of Hassan. Um, basically what happened is uh, they put out a story, an article recently, where they suggested that Minaj, um, as quoted by theguardian.com, who is Muslim, had gone too far in exaggerating his own experiences with racism, Islamophobia, and political backlash. Okay? Right. So 
in some of his stand-up, he's talked about having, you know, an FBI informant at his childhood mosque. There was a hospitalization of his daughter in his in an anthrax scare. He said that when, you know, during his school prom, he got dumped sort of on the day of because the girl's parents didn't want to get a picture of their daughter with a brown boy. Um, so it's all these sort of like claims. And then so the these are all just stories he's telling on stage as yeah. to ways he's experienced racism throughout his life. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And then, and the New Yorkers come out and said, we've fact-checked a lot of this. Didn't happen. <laughs> so a comedian's told a joke and they've gone, that's interesting. Let's yep. find the person he went to like yes. prom with and see if that's how it went down. Yes. Okay. So what Whoa. happens is, I know, right? Which is like, it's kind of wild for that to happen. Yeah. Um, and looked into, did the F FBI raid the mosque. Yep. And all that stuff. Like they went to find what his childhood mosque was and then looked through FBI files to see if that mosque I don't was know how they figured all that, but basically the, these are the ones that are under the, um, so under, you know, in scrutinization. So according to the New Yorker, the girl, um, who had been given the pseudonym Bethany had actually turned Minaj down days earlier. Okay. Not on the day. Not on the day. Uh, they say they're claiming that it was completely unrelated, but. And, and did. So they, they track her down to fact check, check this. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. They tried to find her. And was it because of her parents? Well, then Minaj is... Okay, so so then what's happened is about a month after this article came out, Hassan has come out with a video of his own using video, audio of the interview, all these sort of things to try and say, look, this is, this is how I'm unfolding all this. Basically, he said, look, I'm going to unpack this in the most Hassan Minaj way ever and do a deep dive into my own controversy. And so he sort of unpacks all of the things that are going on. Now, the bigger question that comes out of it as a stand-up comedian myself, you start going, okay, well, where does the line get drawn um, when it comes to creative license as a comedian? Because mm. his, him as a daily show writer mm -hmm. and presenter, he says that is where facts have to come first. Mm -hmm. But when I'm on stage, Doing stand-up shows. Your mate, Hassan, with a, you know, funny life stories. Yeah. So that's when emotions lead. And it basically it sort of it sums up in the way that a lot of comedians will basically go about what happens. It's like, this all happened. It just didn't happen in the exact way that I said it happened. Right. Because it's often things are a lot more complicated and it's a lot easier and simpler to follow or there is more effect if you change the story slightly. All right. Well, I'll ask you this as a, uh, as a comedian. Well, first of all, I want to find out, did, did the parents of that girl disapprove? Well, he says, he says, yes, they still made, they, they did make comments. Um, he says, Minaj says, Bethany's mother genuinely made the comment about pictures with the brown boy. Mm -hmm. And he criticizes what he calls the ma magazine's misleading language mm. using audio of the interview to argue that it twisted his words. Right. And so then you're on stage. Cause I guess you can say for effect that th this is not necessarily what happened. This is how I interpreted given these comments and this is that, and now I'm dumped, you know, the, the, the on the eve of prom. Yeah. So look, Minaj then goes on to discuss, this is what the Guardian says. Minaj goes on to discuss the claim in his special, The King's Jester, that an FBI informant infiltrated his mosque, which led to Minaj getting slammed against a police car. The New Yorker notes that the informant in question was in prison at the time of Minaj's story. Okay. Okay. That's all they said about that. Yeah. Thing. So Minaj then says, well, he did encounter undercover law enforcement as a child. 
that his mosque has indeed been infiltrated and that stories like these were common across the US after 9-11. He said, I wanted to recreate that feeling that only Muslims felt for a broad audience. Right. He says. And so, yeah, it's interesting that thing. Well, what do you think as a, as a comedian, has he, is he all in the right? Has he embellished a little bit too much? Is there... What talk us through this, Matt? I mean, for me, there's there's certain things that you. It depends. This is a this is a bit of a complicated one because if he if he was saying certain things for a laugh, I think that it's kind of somewhat more justified. Mm. But to say them for a, I don't know, emotional punch, that is like, oh, okay, uh, right. That's where it slightly gets a little bit blurry for me. If we're talking about a stand-up show, so if you're trying to get sympathy, but the punchline is something else, and you tell a story rather than like, mm. yeah, and like at the end of the day, I mean, I don't think that anyone would go to see a stand-up show. Well, I mean, I guess like the general public do sometimes think that every single thing you say as a comedian is exactly true. Or what's something you've said that has been not exactly true? Well, okay. So the thing that comes to mind is I tell a story about how I ended up getting arrested once out the front of a nightclub after I was in a dance off. Yeah. I think from memory, you dove through an Indian guy's legs. Yes. Okay. So I ended up in a fight and I, I did dive through an Indian guy's legs on the dance floor. Yes. Best moment of my life. Very big step up vibes. People were cheering. It was huge. I then get arrested by a bouncer, apprehended by a bouncer, taken outside, choked out. Okay. So the dance off... And the incident with the bouncer happened on two different nights, mm. right? So I used the moment of the dance-off to sort of just e exhibit the good vibes, the good vibes that were happening. But also it was just a funny story. And you tell a true story that's happened to you in the past, yeah. a funny story. Um, as this is, a, this is a night out that was really fun. Then the yeah. night out that you got arrested was also very fun but you can't just say I was having a fun night. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you so just you... build into a fun story into the fun night to show I was having heaps of fun. This is the sort of stuff that was happening. So you tell that and then you're like, and then it all got ruined by that. Mm. And so it's still like those things all happened. They just didn't happen on those on the exact night. And it's done that way to lift the emotional stakes and get the audience to laugh harder at the... But also it's just like, otherwise you're like, and then another night I did this and then this happened... And it's like, oh, and then actually, you know what? It didn't happen at that same nightclub. We actually moved venues to another nightclub and then that happened. Like, that's all like, people will get bored. Like, oh. mm. You know, so you're just like, yeah, yeah whatever. People, it all happened like this. Have people found that out and been, and felt somewhat cheated when they go, hang on, that's not, not exactly what happened? No, it's actually the opposite. Do you know, mm. it's so weird. Mm. People, people have come up to me being like, I remember that night. Mm. And I'm like, that's funny because half of it didn't happen. <laughs> When you were there. Do you know what I mean? Like, but they remember the bit where we got arrested and stuff. Yeah. So they're like, I remember all that. Hang on. You didn't dive through an Indian guy's legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they remember it all happening because they were all, yeah, but like they don't, they don't realize mm. that it's sort of like two halves of one story. Um, so that's, I mean, but, but again, I'm also not sort of going, this is how, you know, terribly I've been treated, even though. Mm. I, I do discuss the fact that I believe that the bouncer in question was targeting me racially. Mm. But does that take away what he's done? Because I also have told the story about uh, diving through an you know, a guy's legs on the dance floor that didn't happen immediately before that. Well, I guess it'll come down to what 
you actually did to be kicked out in his opinion. Because if it's funny if you get kicked out for diving through an indie guy's legs, and if you got kicked out because you were in like tech and you swept an Indian guy's legs, <laughs> no, <laughs> I started knocked him out and got kicked Indian out. It's, it's more justified Indian that you would be taken from the venue. So yeah, do you remember true. what you actually happened at the time rather than you were just hanging out? Yeah, the guy, we were all celebrating. I think it was a friend's birthday and the guy came over to my friend and was like, you need to go. And I was like, wait, why is he need to go? And I've, I've said this story on the podcast before. Mm. Um, and he was like, why, do, why does he need to go? And he's like... Oh, he's had too much to drink. And I go, and then, and then I, I said something and he goes, all right, fine. If he's not going, then you go, mm. then you're going. And I was like, what? Mm. And then that's where it all kicked off. I'm like, mm. why, why, why am I going? You were just trying to kick him out and now you're kicking me out. Mm. And so then that turned into that. Mm. Well, I can see why you'd, yeah. And so I should clarify on the night that I did do the jumping between the Indian guy's legs, mm. I did get kicked out of <sighs> the, of the bar, but I didn't yep. get kicked out. He didn't choke me out. That happened another night. Okay. So and, it is true and, that you got kicked out after doing that. Yes. But and also, politely asked to leave because you're jumping through patients. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't politely asked to leave. It was, it was you're going now. But um, they allowed you to continue breathing. <laughs> yes, exactly. And what I also should say is that the show, I, I, there was no indication at all that there, like, there was no suggestion on my behalf that the show, that that eviction was racially motivated. No. It was spatially motivated. No, yeah, <laughs> was, you were diving through people's I was space, cutting shapes, <laughs> shapesly motivated. Um, yeah, so so yeah, that's where the crossover mm. for me happened. It was like, well, the intent was still there from both angles, right? But then the results of the intent—that's where it changed. I see. Do you think comedians, after watching this, will be more technically accurate with their with their anecdotes? Well, I mean, it depends. Do you want to go to a comedy show for laughs or do you want to go for a documentary of mm. events? Would you say going to a comedy show um, for factually accurate anecdotes is like going to see uh, world wrestling for, you know, real punches and, you know. Do you know what it is? <laughs> those kind of things. It's it's entertainment. Going to a comedy show. Very talented entertainment in both areas. It's like when you see a movie that's based on a true story. Mm. You know, no one, no one goes to see a movie about, you know, any true, based on a true story and goes, oh, what? That didn't exactly happen the way that they've shown it. Hang on. Those people weren't that hot when yeah, that happened. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, I mean, it's. They were normal people. Yeah. So it's like, you just, you just go, oh, okay. This is basically what happened. Mm. Often. In fact, when they make movies like that, they're always like three characters are one person. Like that happens mm. all the time. It's just, mm. it just makes it easier and better to tell the story. Mm. So it's an interesting one for Hassan. Cause he's like, Hey, I don't know what you're like. I would think that you would know this as a journalist, but mm. then they're saying no, they're, they're applying the same rules of their journalism to storytelling. Mm. What, um, what famous comedy bit do you think does need to be fact-checked? Like, do you think do you th Jerry Seinfeld was literally eating peanuts? Like when he's talking about the airline peanuts or? No, I don't know. I mean, I always just, assume, like, I always watched, I, I always watch stand up and I'm like, I bet that didn't happen like that. Mm. But you're like, you go, oh yeah, that's a good story. Mm. Very interesting. All right. Anyways, that's the tea. That is the tea that's unfolding in the scene in the States at the moment.
So let us know what you think at matt.n.alice. Love to hear your opinions. Well, Alex Dyson, there's certain phrases in the English language that send a shiver down one's spine. Yep. Okay. Yep. I know plenty. Bus replacement service. Mm. Okay. Yeah, you you don't want to be having one of those pull up. You got to walk to the most random stop across the road somewhere, and it, t- it takes so much longer than the train. So much longer. There's so much more winding. <laughs> what else? What's another phrase? You think you're going to have kids, Alex Dyson? I mean, that strikes absolute <laughs> okay, fear yes, into my sure, heart. Sure, <laughs> sure. There are some phrases like that, but there are some other phrases that really hit the sweet spot. And here is four words that do just that. Do that for you. Four day work week. Mm. You know what I prefer than four day work week? What? You know what I reckon actually is the same, but exponentially better? What? three-day weekend. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Focus on the positives, not the negatives, you know. <laughs> I could three-day weekend. Long weekend. That's perfect. Well, okay. So everyone's talking about this four-day work week, and you've put, you've put a good point because how good's a long weekend when it happens? Oh, yeah, man. That, but, that night where you would normally be having work tomorrow, and you mm. just... You can just do whatever you want. Just on the Sunday sesh. Oh, yeah. love it. Well, guess what? If things go keep going the way they're going, soon we're going to be able to have four-day long weekends. Every long weekend. Four-day weekends? Well, because if, if, we, if we're going for the four-day work week, oh, yeah. <laughs> then a long weekend would automatically be a four-day weekend. Once that seesaw pendulum is tipped and the weekend's <laughs> longer than the week, oh, mama mia, that's when we've made it as a society. Forget cloning sheep. Forget, buddy, landing people on Mars. If we can have the weekend longer than the work week, then we are truly a informed and generational society. According to an article on wa.today.com.au, an opinion piece, um, researchers from Boston College, Cambridge University, and the University College surveyed 900 employees in the uni- United States and Ireland mm-hmm. who shifted to a four-day work week. They found 97% of the employees indicated they wanted to continue doing the four-day work, four work yep. week. Um, a small chunk said that there would be no amount of money could convince them to go back Mm -hmm. and revenue rose approximately 8% over the trial and was up 37.55% compared to the same period in 2021. Hiring rose, absenteeism was reduced and resignations declined slightly. (laughs) Well, that's it. And I was reading an article the other day and by that, I mean, watching a TikTok and the person said company decided, all right. We're going to allow everyone to have as much holiday time as you want. Mm. None of this counting days, you know, trying to go through Christmas and Christmas and Boxing Day is not a public holiday. So you just count them off and try and get an extra week. No, have as much as you want. And they found productivity went up, but people took the same amount of holidays (laughs) that they normally would, but whenever they wanted. And they say, yeah. you treat people like adults, they'll behave like adults. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, not everyone is sort of catching on to this. Um, uh, you might have seen on TikTok oh, as well. let Ga- me guess. Some sort of CEO who just wants to just <laughs> grind people's souls to, to make their bread. 
CEOs absolutely loved pulling the Homer Simpson treatment. I don't know if you ever seen seen the episode where he goes to work for Max. No, is it Max Power or whatever? He goes to work for the um, the Bond villain kind of dude. Yeah, mm. kind of guy, and he's like in, he's like the boss of all those people, and they're like, "What do you want us to do, boss?" And Homer's like, uh, "Can you just work faster?" And they're like, "Sure thing," <laughs> and they just type faster. That's literally what CEOs are like. They're like, yeah. "Can you just do this more, please, for yeah. me?" Yeah, of course. Um, Gabrielle Judge, who describes herself as um, as the anti-work girl boss, okay. I mean, you gotta. It's, are you sure some other people aren't calling her that to bully her? <laughs> um, <laughs> She's literally no. calling herself that. She's reclaimed the term. Yep. Um, dropped a TikTok of a Zoom conversation she was having about the four-day work week with a, a baby boomer CEO. Okay. Mm-hmm. So CEO of Spark Start, um, Maury Hannigan, was a guest speaker alongside Gabrielle Judge um, during a we- recent webinar for the uh, recruitment company People Science. And... Uh, the uh, CEO, Maury, just uh, didn't think that she could make the most of a four-day work week. And uh, and she didn't think she could do the work that she thought was productive. But she also, get this, didn't understand what she'd do on the fifth day. If I can do the productive work that's really going to move my job forward, that I feel good about, that, that I think is contributing, I can do that in four days. What do I do with that fifth day? The extra fifth day you can do with whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do whatever you want, Maury. So she couldn't wrap her head around the concept that <laughs> you wouldn't be at work. You'd yeah, be doing I think that she thought want. on a five, like on a four day work week, you'd still go into work and just sit there. Of course, that'd be boring. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, CEO lady, people have lives that do exist outside of work. Yeah. You would literally do whatever you want. That's the beauty of it. This article in the in the, um, WA Today, it was an, it was an opinion piece, and um, and the the writer for it, mm. his name's Brendan Foster, mm-hmm. said after I realised that um you know it wasn't gonna we could live with the less money, slightly less pay, mm-hmm. um, he was looking at honey eaters nibbling on native flowers. He's chatting to the neighbours. He said he chatted to the neighbours who were so surprised by his sudden chirpy disposition. They thought he was diagnosed with a terminal illness. <laughs> I mean, how good, how good is that as a sign that the four-day work week works? People think you're dying. <laughs> that you must be so gravely ill. Yeah. <laughs> That's how much, how suddenly That suddenly you nothing cares, <laughs> yeah. that nothing matters, and you can go about your day. Jeez. Um, That's so... <laughs> I've been diagnosed with a four-day work week. Yeah, doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of work-life balance. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, that's a great, well, Comedy Republic, four-day work weeks. Oh, there you go. You're already living the dream, man. I'm already, I'm that CEO, Matt. I'm the opposite. Oh, you should be putting more gigs. I'm like, come on, put some afternoon shows on, be doing all of it. There's five days a week of shows. You can come to shows <laughs> five days a week, but our staff work four days a week. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, look, maybe I'll get, maybe I'll get another job with you after all, hey? Because one's not enough. <laughs> yeah, come on down, uh, mate. So I'm <laughs> moving in.
Coast. Now, Matt O'Kine, we do always say you can get in touch with us via matt.n.alex on Instagram or mattandalex.com.au. And we don't just say that, we mean it, okay? Because we like telling stories about our own lives and coming up with talkback topics off it as well. But we do not want to hog that experience at all. You know, we want to extend that to you, the incredible all-day breakfast listener. Yeah, that's right. And look, we uh, you can get in touch with us at matt.and.alex and some people... Do for no no prompting whatsoever at all. They just say, you know what, I got something. I got something for these guys, and I know they're going to eat it up like little patty cakes with passion fruit icing, just like James did. James got in touch with us out of nowhere, out of the blue, unprompted, and said, "Shove this in your gob." G'day, James. What did you? What have you got for us? What story? Oh God, fellas. Um, well. I was at a wine event uh, last night, just in Perth, just like a, you know how you have those big sort of wine tasting things, there's hundreds of wineries, they all sort of come and you just go around and taste wine. Yep. Oh, I had I a big one on right. the, um, a little rosé showcase one day with old Karen Wheatley, Kiss Me Sweetly, and um, boy, oh boy, <laughs> I did not utilise the spit barrel as much as I should have, sir. <laughs> no one does. I don't know why they're there. <laughs> Yeah, be like spitting your, you know, it's be like spitting your 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 ticket money, you know, down the drain. That's what I always feel like. So well, you got to give it, you got to give a proper slurp to these things. What what happened at the wine event, James? Oh well, we were just sort of just enjoying our time and sort of look a look across the crowd and um, my mother in law sort of walking in. I'm like, oh, I didn't know she was she was coming, um, and she had a big sort of loaf of bread under her arm, mm. and um, yeah, I was like, well, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, look, I've, I had this loaf of bread and I thought I'd just walk past and see if I could get in saying I could, I need to give this bread to my daughter and they just let her straight through. <laughs> so what? She didn't have a ticket or anything? No, no, no ticket. Just a loaf of bread. It was brilliant. How much are tickets? <laughs> oh, I think like 50 bucks or something. So you're, so wait, your mother-in-law, knowing full well that she had not purchased a ticket for this event, just thought, yeah. I'm going to get in by buying a loaf of bread Walking up to the people at the gate and saying, I need to give this to my daughter. Yep, that's it. That was brilliant. Now, I've seen, I don't know, YouTubers put on a high vis and like carry a ladder to try and get into free. Yeah, Troy Kinney does a good one version yeah. of that. Or maybe is it Nazim Hussain? Like they, they do yeah. that. You know, that's good stuff. I've, but that would cost much more than just a loaf of bread. It was a real nice loaf, like a, you know, pretty crispy sourdough. I would have said it back about seven bucks. But. So yeah, she rocked sure. up with it, just a, uh, a a plain white loaf. I don't reckon it would have worked. <laughs> no, no. James, do you reckon you could have gotten away with this, or is this like a is this only a mum could get away with this? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm I'm thinking it's just a mum thing. Mm. Like she would have she would have turned on the mum sort of charm. I reckon. Absolutely. Now, once you've gone through it and using bread instead of a ticket, I'm sure the people who have allowed that to happen and wondering when is this person then going to leave? How long did your mum stay after getting to the wine event? Oh, the whole thing. So we, we sort of, you know, got the bread and we weren't going to carry the bread around all day. So we sort of checked it into the cloakroom and then picked it up on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> so it really was a prop. I thought you might even just like ripped into it for lunch or something, but you've actually just used it as a prop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just actually had a slice just before. <laughs> Oh my goodness, James! Well, um, thank you very much for sharing this with you didn't us. Get caught or anything, or what, there was no. Re- 
Retribution? No, no, actually. But it did cross my mind. Like, I've never actually thought when your crumb bags actually come in handy, but last night actually would have. Indeed. So get a bit of your sourdough crumbs um, <laughs> from the loaf. You could pop in there in the crumb bag. That's perfect. Well, it's incredible, James. It opens up a whole talk back. Would you like to um, ask our talk back for us? Well, yeah, well, it made me think, you know, what did you sneak into? How'd you get in? How'd you get yeah, into somewhere for good free? Call, James. Good work, right. James. Thank you for well, joining us. We'll um, we'll talk to you later, mate. Yeah, cheers, guys. Legend. Well, look, Brad got in touch, said when I was 17, I just started playing state league basketball. I went out with a couple of the older players. We walked straight by the massive line and went straight into the club. No cover charge, and they didn't ask for ID. The bouncer's face was priceless when he found out after that I was underage. That's just a walk in, pass the line. Yeah, well, when you got you you weren't carrying bread, you were just carrying confidence. Yeah, when you got six, you know, seven foot dudes, Mm. you got to assume that something's going on. Um, Sarah. Who's going to say no to them? Sarah said, I snuck into the 1998 Adelaide Crows Grand Final at the MCG at age nine. Not bad. Good on you, Sarah. When you're that age, a turnstile is really not going to stop you up. You can go under anything at that age. Morgan said, I, five foot two, simply walked under the line of sight of a very tall, close to seven foot bouncer to get into a VIP tent once. How good that's is how that, the, That's Morgan. how the whole bloody, she probably watched Lord of the Rings and would go, if it's good enough for the <laughs> hobbits to sneak in, it's good enough for me. <laughs> it proves that you don't have to wait for uh, our talk back to give to you. Create your own. Jump up here on all day breakfast and get involved. Sneak into our DMs <laughs> like a mum with a bread roll. We done there? All right, we're oh, done. Okay, <laughs> that's the end of the show. Thank you very much for joining us. This has been another Matt and Alex all day breakfast. Hope you're happy. A good one. We'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. Bye-bye. That's it. The all-day breakfast kitchen is closed. Got something to add to the show? Slide into our DMs at matt.and.alex.